0: We tend to judge ourselves by our intentions, but others by their behavior. At Stephen Covey. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity, and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organisations on how to change their culture, but this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Walking Your Talk, which I'm calling Messages, because I want to cover how it is that the messages that people receive, we all receive, about how to behave, then shapes the way that we do behave. And so if we want to shape the behavior of other people, we're going to need to become masterful at sending the right message. Now I'm going to assume here that the organization you're involved in has put out some sort of statement about what it stands for. In the previous episode, I spoke quite a lot about how to craft and communicate statements like that. So now I'm assuming that you're now thinking, so what does that really mean for me? And perhaps you were a part of creating those statements of intent and want to make sure that they now come to life. Or perhaps you've just received them from other people, cascaded, if you like, to you in some format, written or spoken, somehow with the expectation that you will now not only live them yourself, but also make sure your people do the same. And here I think we have our first challenge, certainly one that I see often in our clients and all of our teams tend to as well, which is that usually there's only a few people involved in crafting messages. And having put that work in It's very easy for those people, and you may well be one of them, to assume that you yourself, you know, are actually pretty good at role modeling that. So in a sense, you judge yourself, as Stephen Covey said at the beginning, on your intentions. And this may or may not be true, but other people will be tending to judge you on your behavior. And usually it's not quite as true as you might hope, certainly in the eyes of other people. So if you've crafted this message, your immediate task, I think, is to get trustworthy feedback from other people about how they see you. And that means you have to ask. You've got to be asking verbally from people who you know will be honest with you. You know, something along the lines of, you know, imagine your statement was to do with, you know, we're going to be a highly customer-centric organization valued by our customers for our responsiveness and exceptional service and ability to meet their needs, et cetera, et cetera. So your question then has got to be very specific. You know, in what ways do you see me understanding and representing our customers' needs at all time? And how could I make it easier For us to be responsive and valued? And and in what ways do I stand in the way of our doing that? And any leader, I think, who's not put in that work and therefore can't really describe accurately their own ability to walk the talk, for me, is either kind of going through the motions or doesn't yet have the humility and the openness that's required to truly lead and shape the behavior of others because no matter how good your intentions are in the creation of whatever statement you have it's likely that you know we're all human beings and other people will see our behavior and doesn't always line up. So that's step one, if you were a part of creating a statement of cultural intent, if you like. And then steps two to ten are, you know, the process of self-improvement, which I've covered in many of the other episodes in this podcast, where you'll find that there are lots of series which have a title. And if you look back, you'll almost certainly find that one of them relates to your statement of cultural intent. My deeper fascination actually lies with those who are not a part of creating a statement of intent and now, having received some sort of communication about it, are being asked to, quote, come on board. And that may also be you, because that group includes almost everyone in the organisation, really, from very senior leaders, maybe you know one level down from the top team, right through the middle management group, and to those who are at the front line, who may be just receiving faint echoes of that original intent. So how does a whole organisation align with a clear aspiration? What's that process? And if you're one of the many people who weren't originally involved, how can you contribute, assuming that, that you want to? Now, it's always tempting, I think, to be... Cynical of any statement that's put out by leadership, and the easiest and most common reason that I hear is that I need to wait and see if senior leaders are really serious about this. And once I've seen that evidence, then I'll come with them. I'll I'll jump on board. And I've heard that said more times than I can count. And it always kind of saddens and disheartens me. I have to say, and I'll tell you why. Because imagine any inspirational corporate statement, right? It's going to be full of values, you know, good values, things things that everyone under the right circumstances would aspire to, you know, be original, take action, respect others, help out your teammates, give good service in exchange for the money people are giving us. I think we, all of us, would want to be known for that. But because this statement came from corporate, from the head office, then people will often claim that they don't want to be a part of it and they want to see if corporate is, means it before they come on board. So here's another approach, which is, I think, the essence of what I wanted to share with you today, which if you're presented with a statement of corporate intent, try to ignore the presenter, ignore where it came from and just focus on the statement itself, the sentiment, the words, and notice how you resonate with what they say and how you actually do know how to behave the way that those words describe. You know, if you're not behaving that way at work, you're probably behaving that way outside of work. I mean, we've all got that stuff in us, right? So I think... When we try and resist the irritation that comes when someone starts telling us how we should behave, even though we know that anyway, then I think we end up getting sucked into feeling like a victim. And that's really debilitating, you know? Whereas if we take a statement like that as a personal challenge, you know, as an opportunity to reflect on, what else I can do to become even closer to those aspirations in my daily life and talk about it with my team and get feedback, then I think there's an opportunity to get even more support from others than I have before. Again, you know, check out some of the past episodes in this podcast and you'll find some specific practical ideas which might be useful to, to you once you get into that sort of frame of mind. And then finally, for those of you who are considering how you can cascade your corporate aspiration, and I know there are many of you because we often get asked that question, start from the assumption that most people in your organization already actually have those aspirations for themselves personally and that those who don't aren't going to be converted by any kind of corporate campaign of communication. So I think if one's clear in the message, sets something of a standard and then asks people help on how those standards can be moved from something that most of us kind of aspire to, as individuals to something that we could share collectively and support each other to, to achieve and that we can depend on each other to uphold, then I think we can work on making, you know, one plus one equals three. So my aspiration plus your aspiration collectively then becomes a corporate culture. It becomes more than both of us. Whereas often I think what happens is you have a whole lot of people in an organisation who have those aspirations, but somehow when they get together, they become less than what they aspire to. So don't try and talk at people or cascade anything or, or assume that what's in that statement is going to be something new and original to people. I think it's about giving permission for us to start to create these standards together, maybe there's a bit of rebalancing in the hierarchy of what we think is important. We might want to put customers a little bit more important than something else or, you know, a movement towards something like that. But we're really talking about unleashing sentiments, behaviors, mindsets that are already in people. But turning it in such a way that it shows up for the benefit of the collective rather than it's just held inside our own personal aspirations. why I think where there's cynicism, it's because people have heard too much talk and not enough walk, not enough evidence that other people are serious and that they will actually be supported if they do stick their necks out and stretch and really live those values for the benefit of all. And so as a leader, when you assume the best in your people, for the most part, they don't disappoint. What others are looking for you to do as a leader is to to really master those aspirations yourself, to do something unexpected, something different, something more than the norm. And then just to really encourage them in others, recognize when you see them and make the assumption that other people are capable of doing that. Because when you do that combination, I think people will follow your lead. And suddenly you do have this one plus one equals three. So that's it for today. And in the next episode, I'm going to focus on what you can do to amplify your own behavior so it becomes more visible to others. And so you are able to take a few bold moves, which build your credibility that you're really serious about these aspirations.